Well, hi there, and thank you for joining us here at Conversations with Father Greg. Today we have a homily for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. We'll begin our time together with a reading from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew writes, Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Preparing for today's homily brought back a childhood memory. I have a younger brother, and when we were boys, we were great conspirators. We would spend hours dreaming up all kinds of things that we imagined were terribly inventive and incredibly subtle. Sometimes they were little riddles, other times they were little chores that we knew my parents could not resist. These little plots were always designed to wrestle permission out of my parents for something that they would not normally approve of. A trip to the toy store for more Lego, a milkshake on a hot afternoon, an extra cookie after lunch. The intent was always the same, to trick my parents into something that they didn't see coming or didn't want to do. In retrospect, the only time it came close to working was when they were feeling particularly generous. We see something similar in today's Gospel reading. We see two opposing groups joining forces to try to trick Jesus. The Pharisees hated the Roman government and everything that it represented. They asked Jesus whether it was acceptable to pay taxes or not. On the other hand, the Herodians were pro-Roman and saw the Roman government as something that brought stability to the region. No matter how Jesus responded to their inquiry, someone would have been at his throat. If he told people to pay their taxes, the Pharisees and those that they represented would condemn him as a Roman collaborator. If Jesus told people not to pay their taxes, the Herodians would report him to the Romans, and he could be executed as a revolutionary. It was a lose-lose situation. Refusing to be baited, Jesus sidestepped the trap and yet still answered the question. Jesus' response to this trap has become one of the most quoted parts of Christian scripture. Jesus' advice was to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to give God what is God's. But what was Jesus really saying? At first blush, this story is about authority. Part of the trap was to force Jesus to pick one authority over the other. No matter who Jesus picked, he would suffer the consequences. 
But notice his response did not favor one group at the expense of the other. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. He managed a response that simultaneously chose neither and both. Jesus acknowledged what many of us already know. As people of faith, we stand with a foot in two worlds, the secular and the sacred. Those who challenged him were asking him to choose one or the other, and it's an impossible choice. Jesus called them out on an oversimplification that simply cannot exist. Any attempt to compartmentalize our lives so neatly is simply an artificial construct. It's also worth noting that Jesus directly confronted the assumptions that the Pharisees and Herodians made. The Pharisees and the Herodians were working under the assumption that a person had to choose one world or the other, as though a person had to completely reject one in order to be loyal to the other. By refuting their assumptions and deflating their argument, Jesus also denied their authority on the issue. One of the questions that we should always ask when reading scripture is, what does this text say to us? How does it apply to our lives today? Well, first of all, there's a whole church and state issue. As a boy growing up, I was taught that there were certain subjects that polite people simply do not discuss, particularly at the dinner table. Two of those things were politics and religion. I learned that there were two very practical reasons for that. First of all, people had this idea that the church and politics should be kept completely separate, as if it were possible to have one completely devoid of the other. The second reason for not discussing either politics or religion was that they are two subjects that people could become quite passionate about. If there's one thing that everybody knows, it's that polite people don't have passionate conversations at dinner, or anywhere else for that matter. As I've gotten older, I've found it more and more difficult to accept these social conventions. First of all, the complete separation of faith and politics is not only impossible, I think it's contradictory to the Christian faith. If our faith means anything to us at all, and if our faith has any influence on our ethics or morality, then by extension, it must have some influence on our politics. Put another way, if our faith is so easily compartmentalized so as to have no influence on our life choices, including our political choices, then our faith simply isn't worth very much at all. This is not the same as creating some kind of theocracy where priests and bishops run the government. God forbid. But what it does do is encourage us to allow our faith to inform all of our decisions, including our decisions about political leaders. Does our faith motivate us to make all aspects of our world a better place, including the realm of politics? Do we hold our government accountable to ethical decisions? If we answer yes to any of these questions, then we must work to break down artificial barriers that prevent our faith from making its voice heard in our world. 
The second issue I have with this outdated approach to polite table talk is that it denies us the opportunity to discuss those things that we are most passionate about. Banning passionate conversation on the grounds that it is impolite is based on the mistaken idea that we cannot be passionate about something without becoming rude or abusive. Many of us are able to talk with pride about our careers, our families, and even our hobbies. Yet, if we dare to be passionate about the faith that motivates us, then we're considered rude. Why is that? I think it's just as false an assumption as the Pharisees and Herodians tried to impose upon Jesus. Banning any subject of conversation for fear of a passionate discussion deprives us of any real or authentic conversation and condemns us to shallow relationships. So what does this text have for you and I? This text encourages us that as people of faith, we are to engage all aspects of life with passionate faith. John's Gospel records Jesus telling the parable of the Good Shepherd. The point of that parable was that Jesus had come so that people might live abundant and full lives. Today we read about Jesus telling his audience that they should not be afraid to give Caesar what belonged to him, all the while giving God what belongs to God. It means embracing what we already know. We have a foot in two worlds, and that our faith motivates us to live into that reality with integrity. Let's pray. Dear God, you have equipped us with intellect, reason, and passion. May we explore these gifts in such a way that we draw closer to you and bring others along for the journey. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.